People come to the San Francisco Bay Area for many reasons, a spectacular natural setting, a sophisticated lifestyle, and unique professional opportunities. Those seeking these qualities will find all that and more at Hacienda, where you can work, live, and grow. A Hacienda location means having the best of everything within easy reach. Whether it's world-class restaurants, theaters, and museums, the best learning institutions in the country, or some of the finest services available. That particularly applies to businesses wanting the best address to have easy access to needed resources, being among the industry leaders, and knowing that you are part of a region that leads the world in innovation. The result, an unbeatable combination that leads to success, and that is what you will find at Hacienda. Find out more by visiting Hacienda on the web at hacienda.org. The life science industry has been on everyone's mind since the start of the COVID-19 global pandemic. We all became experts in epidemiology and have been anxiously awaiting vaccines to help us get back to some semblance of normalcy. As a result, life sciences have been on a vertical trajectory, and the commercial real estate industry could not provide enough lab space for all the innovation and ideas percolating around. Form 4, an architecture firm based in San Francisco, has taken on this challenge and is helping developers and property owners to reimagine space in some cases obsolete property, as centers of biotech innovation. James Defend and Colin Mosier work on these projects every day. Their understanding of the industry is deep and broad. Here's what they have to say about life sciences and the journey ahead. James, Colin, good afternoon. How are you guys? Good afternoon. Doing well. Good, good. Where, uh, where do we find you today? Where, where are you both? Well, I'm in our office in San Francisco downtown in our conference room. And the uh, floor is empty. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, He's I'm like, working from home, but want to go back into the office next week because we're getting it set up, um, setting it up, set up post-COVID. That's just a interesting discussion. Excellent, in excellent. Itself. And how has that process been? I, I imagine uh, this is sort of interesting, kind of an interesting oh. question for architects because you're, you're usually the one doing this for your clients, but now you're doing it for yourself as well. You know, how, how, how was that process for you guys? Well, I'll tell you, we had 18 months to plan this, and <laughs> yeah. we're, a bunch of, we're a bunch of designers. So you can imagine how many ideas have been thrown out and how many times we've redone the plan. So, but we loved, we loved it. We loved to rethink things. Um, but the journey has been, um, it's been good. Uh, we are returning half full, and uh, we have a shared desk system now, okay. uh, which is nice, makes a, a very uh, uncluttered office. Uh, and we are, as Colin said, we're very excited to get the team back together because you know, all, all these months has been hard on everyone. Yeah. Have you guys found, uh, you know, I'm sure some things obviously work being, you know, remote. Some things work obviously being all in one place. Um, are there things that you discovered that you like, that you now, you know, appreciate more that you were away and that you might sort of adopt in your new way of doing things? Um, and, and I'm not deliberately delaying our conversation. Yes. I'm just sort of curious. Uh, yeah. You know, this is kind of uh, yeah. interesting to me how, how companies are, you know, exploring this. We, and I think everyone realizes we had to work harder to connect. Yeah. And when we're in a Zoom meeting like this and we can see each other, that's great. But to be in the same room and experience each other, that's different. Just yeah. for moral support, 
being in the room, sharing the experience, sharing the dilemma, sharing the solution, all the serendipity that comes with uh, coming with the solutions. That synergy, really hard to do it right. Yeah. But the hardest part is the younger staff because they're not overhearing the senior people and the conversations you have. And I remember how much of art, doing architecture I learned that way. So including them on the calls, including them, trying to get them to, you know, just listen in on some of the, the, the client meetings and things like that. Sure. Um, and it's actually easier to do because they don't have to be in the room now. So you can, so I just had a meeting, you know, it was a very complex lab project. And we had, you know, the whole team of, you know, in listening in, whereas, you know, if it was an actual meeting in a conference room, it would have been hard to have all those people, right. you know, and the client would have gone, who are all these people, you know, right, right. It's kind of, it's, it's kind of, it's interesting how it, cause I never thought this would work at the beginning, you know, I thought, but it's interesting, the pluses and minuses that. Yeah. We adopted a, a mentorship program. So we right. did one-on-one check-ins just to see how people are doing. And that worked, that worked really well. Yeah, good, good. Excellent. All right. Well, let's get back to our conversation. Um, what I would love to do for uh, you know, both you, uh, James and Colin, to you know, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you know, not just your practice and your company, but also about yourselves and sort of how you guys you know, got to where you are today. And then we'll talk a little bit about your, your firm as well. Sure. Well, I'll go first. Uh, James Defend, I'm principal at Form 4 and at the company since the beginning. Been quite a ride. Um, we uh, we have done very well in the Bay Area, working in every city, uh, pretty much. And uh, first part of our journey was mainly office, commercial uh, office, yep. interiors, new building, ground up, and uh, we enjoyed a nice growth. And some of our clients, some of our developer clients, like the Sobrato organization, uh, when we started working, uh, it was a single building, or then it was a campus of, of the office buildings. And then what we saw, and this is same with two other developers, the rise of the mixed-use developments. Sure. Which we and that's when we knew, as a company, we had to grow and diversify. We had to bring on specialty leaders like Colin, who could bring in a wealth of knowledge that we didn't have previously. Colin brought in to us life science. We have others, other directors that, that champion um, fitness and residential and, and others, but... Uh, Colin's here today, and he can speak a few words and talk about his journey and how he found us. All right. Colin? Yeah, I um, have uh, over 20 years of experience doing life sciences projects around the world, um, both academic and uh, research. Also have some healthcare experience, too, that ties into all of that. I mean, and so, yeah, all spec offices or spec labs as well as as, um, as academic. Um and I, I, it's really interesting what's going on with the, the industry right now. Um, I think it's probably the most fascinating uh, industry to be in as an architect right now. So it's, it's uh, really interesting to me. Um, and I'm, I'm loving uh, working with Form 4 and developing their practice and winning new work. And uh, it's really exciting. It's a great team. And they have, they have um, I joined them because there's this synergy of art and, and science that, happens with their work that's really quite beautiful and i think that's really the trends of the industry is going yep. towards these lab spaces where people want to be you know and and making those places that people love and i think form four is like uniquely experienced in creating these places that people fall in love with 
Yeah, and and I should also ask, you know, your company obviously this is a focus of yours, Live Science, but you do other other sort of food groups, if you will, in the commercial real estate space, right? Right. Um, you mentioned one client, Sobratos, but so their obviously office, right? Um, James, are there any other sort of areas that you know you guys specialize in as well? Well, we uh, also do uh, recreational fitness spa projects, religious, higher education, colleges. We're pretty well diversified. But as I said, the, the, the area, the first 10 years especially, we were predominantly office. Yeah. And uh, as I said, that's been a nice journey uh, to diversify. And also the life sciences clients are incorporating a lot more different amenities into their projects, such as fitness, such as, you know, commercial, such as place, you know, eating. And so this balance that we have, you know, um, I think is really good for, you know, we can do the labs, we can do the lab planning, the technical side, but we can also help with those other parts of the project. Yeah. There's no such thing as a lab that's just only labs and benches. It has workplace it has yeah that's a great segue because let's jump into that you know what does a sort of successful lab space look like today i think most people think of the kind of lab rooms and they think of you know beakers and things like that sort of residing in microscopes and things like that but that's that that's obviously one aspect of it but as as, as you guys know and as we, you know we all sort of know more and more this is also a place where people spend a lot of their time so the developer or the landlord wants to make this, you know, as usable and, uh, you know, provide things like amenities and other things there as well. So tell us a little bit about that evolution, sort of how over the last maybe decade or 15 years or so, or, or so that has evolved into where it is today. Well, I'd like to take a few minutes before we dive into the particulars of what makes a life science building wonderful and uh, good for the user. Um, just a comment quickly on the state of the area for office construction, office development. Obviously, I think everyone knows we see very little new construction for office going on right now because right. it's waiting. We're, developers are waiting to see when the return of the office is going to be. Um, that being said, you know, real estate developers, landlords, you know, they have a lot of property on their hands that's, uh, that at one time, a couple of years ago, some of the highest uh, rents in the country and the demand was quite large. COVID comes, that demand goes away. And interestingly enough, we all have watched the rise of biotech in the Bay Area. And we've seen companies like Genentech grow in South City. And we would love um, to see that continue. And I think we all are going to enjoy that when office comes back. But now you have all these real estate, again, developers and, and landlords who have property. Well, what do you do with it? How can you get a life science tenant to be uh, uh, come to their portfolio of work and, and uh, take on uh, uh, their development projects. We work with uh, companies like Sand Hill uh, at property down in, in Palo Alto. They have quite a bit of real estate in their research park, and we have engaged repositioning projects to get these companies in. Some of the projects are easy to do because they have been designed for future flexibility to be adaptable. Sure. Yep. That's easy. Other projects in construction or plan a little harder. Uh, you have to put a little more work into making the change to make it happen. So um, we're seeing that now, and we really love to engage um, developers that uh, do want to uh, reanalyze their portfolio, do something different, get the life science in. Yeah. So um, that's really active and really hot right now. And and this kind of conversion, I mean, I think this is this is something that's like 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 you said, it's been really hot now. Uh, certainly, we've seen over the last you know eighteen twenty months or so. 
there's been a lot more attention to it. And I think people are trying to figure out because life science, um, there's a, there's a scarcity of this kind of product. Generally, um, occupancy is really high. Rents are high, high and continue to go high, right? Um, so others are looking for ways to kind of enter enter that. Um, um, now, not every property, as you said, is susceptible to this, right? That's right. So, what are some of the things that maybe you guys kind of you know look at and kind of help these developers figure out uh, to really understand whether they can do that? Colin, you want to take that? Yeah. So. You know, but like like James was saying, I mean, this we are better positioned here in the Bay Area than than anywhere in the world for life sciences, and because of you know it's the whole idea of retention and acquisition, and um, and we have like we were saying, all of these properties were built for you know offices and for you know tech and and um, and they're all you know mostly empty. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, and, and after COVID, you know, the, you, you, you can do office work from home, but you can't do lab work from home. So, you know, the, this, these places, it's a pr- primarily suited. And then that proximity, I and mean, this is where all the innovation has happened. I mean, the Bay Area has changed the world. And with the academic institutions and all of that, I mean, Stanford knows it, you know, they've got Stanford Research Park, where they've got it figured out in terms of building these buildings that can be used as life sciences, which we've done several of. But then there's places like Redwood Life, uh, which is a campus where we've done about five, six little renovation projects sure. on. And it's um, it's uh, offices, you know, it's basically was were built for offices that we've con- converted them into research uh, research labs. And um, and the one I was, you know, I just got off a call before this with, a, with one of those clients and, they, you know, they've put into one of these buildings you know, an animal facility, a clinical trials unit that makes pharmaceuticals. Um, we actually put in the pharmaceutical part of it um, during CD so that it's actually, they're going to be putting this in during construction. So, you know, a huge part of this is flexibility too. So, you know, you've got it, we designed that, yep. that, and we often do this with this, you know, with some shell space or some office space that can be used as an empty chair so you can reconfigure things and renovate them because, you know, the industry booming and their needs are, changing even as we're doing the design they're you know coming up with new needs and requirements so flexibility is all important and then you know you have so the place like redwood life which was sort of this you know it's basically a series of spec office buildings in a big campus surrounded by a sea of parking how are you going to get retention there how are you going to get people who want to work there so you know a lot of what we've done there we put in um fun places to eat we put in some you know some exercise areas uh, places for you know we built a bar you know so just trying to create this sort of synergy and then with all the other different um uh with all these different entities going in because these are a lot of different smaller you know pharmaceutical companies that want research space and then having them close proximity to each other creates this synergy as about this what they're calling now, you know, um, Redwood Life Science Park, basically. Yeah. Now, the life science product, it, it you know, uh, it, it, it is different, right? So I think there is uh, certainly a level of complexity to convert, you know, five walls or, you know, six walls. I don't know if you count the floor as well, right? Um, into into something that can be used for this purpose, right? Um 
that is not always easy. There are certain you know requirements around that. Could could you go into a little bit of just sort of giving us a sense of um, you know w- what would be kind of a you know a you know qualified conversion? Like what would be p- perhaps easier to maybe something that would be a little bit more you know difficult? So, um, in terms of Stanford Research Park, they've actually put in their requirements for new buildings. Um, ability for it to be easily converted to life sciences. So, you know, one of the things you look at is sort of floor heights. So, you know, one of the nice, you know, if, if you get, you know, 14 or less, it can be very difficult. Um, it can be done, but, you know, the, the, those things are, can be difficult. Um, also the zoning, you know, the types of chemicals, the types of, of um, also the, the types of research that you're doing in the labs is important too, in terms of what, where you can go. You know, so, um, you know, in terms of the, the height of the building too, you know, that affects um, what type of labs can have different floors. So, um, you know, but what, what you really look for is you have a, you know, a good open floor plate, higher floor to floor heights are better. Um, and then proximity to other research establishments and, and creating that is also really good. Yeah, Stanford Richard Park in and of itself is a good case study, probably worthy of the entire podcast. Uh, as, as Colin said, yes, whenever we do a, a building in the park, we follow the standards that give us for the program, for the base size, for the overall sweet spot floor, space, uh, floor size of 35,000 square feet, let's say. Uh, certain strength of the floor, uh, mm-hmm. yep. loading dock, uh, column-free spans in the large open areas, all very important. Um, I can point to several projects we've done, Form 4 has done, um, that currently was designed for an office, but now currently ingoing is um, biotech life science users, Zodiac and Ascendus. And this is I'm referring to a project at 1050 Page Mill in, in Palo Alto. Um, we designed that building uh, with also another interesting feature, very attractive, a really large, long, linear skylight that goes down the center of the building. It brings in natural light right in the middle of the floor plate where usually it's dark. And as Colin would tell you, that lab users at the bench, they need that natural light. They need that really good quality light to do it, to find um, measurements and in, 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 in their research. So that was a very attractive item that, uh, that I think was successful. Yeah. And and the reason I'm, I'm kind of asking this is uh, over the last year or so, I mean, there's been a lot of interest from, you know, local and, you know, other developers because just kind of that, that own property, you know, considering, you know, given given the dynamics and market di- dynamics of the, of the life science industry, they're considering, you know, how can we maybe, you know, convert what we have vacant right. or that's obsolete into into a life science project, right? And and I and I hear you, you know, somebody like Stanford that's you know forward looking, um, you know, they're going to own this land for the next thousand years, right? right. <laughs> they're they're building in flexibility because they know that these uses will will you know evolve. But for like a local developer, like how how difficult is this process? I mean, it's it's not easy just to build in flexibility. It's not easy to get. Um, uh, you know, go to the city or county and get sort of you know new zoning, right? Um, and so I'm just kind of you know curious, you know, as you've as you've kind of canvassed this you know landscape, um, what makes it you know easier? What makes it harder? And maybe maybe that's maybe that's another way to look at that. Well, I think uh, they need to know their target. They need another target client. As Colin will tell you, there's different levels of life science uh, users, different uh, programs. Uh, some buildings might be ready to go easy. 
um, and others require some pretty intensive floor stiffness um, or you know the increased floor to floor height uh, or additional HVAC cores or, or whatever it is. Um, so it depends. And uh, Sandhill property, uh, I mentioned, you know, we're doing two active repositioning projects where we take the old HP building in Palo Alto, for example, which um, was uh, primarily recently done office. Now it's going to life science with a certain level, again, where it could accommodate it. Uh, so um, I, I think, again, it depends on uh, what tenant you're trying to find. And to answer that, you talk with the local brokers. What's the demand? Who's looking, right? Yeah, we, have, we also have... Um uh, you know, a lot of our projects, they started off as, as office and then midway through the, the, uh, the client and the, the property owners realizing that they want to make it work for, for life science. So then what do you do, particularly if it's like halfway through the project, you know, how do you quickly change it over to make it flexible enough for life sciences? And so we're seeing a lot of that too. We did that on a project on the books the last year and a half ago in, in Millbrae designed his office and very quickly yeah. pivoted after COVID to life science, made the adjustments to the base sizes to, to get to, to accommodate the labs, 33 feet on center, um, all the lab benches. That's one of the, one of the things that works well on the program. Uh, and we did that and it was very successful. Now the uh, project's entitled and Longfellow will be the, uh, will be the user. Yeah. And doing the test fits of that um, early on to show you know, different suite sizes, showing the flexibility, making sure that that's built into the project is, is key because, you know, you can have one, one t tenant for the whole building. You could have it sure. on the floor or you could have it broken up, you know, on the floors. And this will happen and change over time. So you need to create the flexibility within the footprint and the cores to make that work. You know, and things like service elevators and, and loading and all those things, creating that creating that just completely flexible space is, is really what the developers are looking for now. Yeah, yeah. Um, most people, when you talk about life science, think about, you know, uh, you know, drugs or they think about some kind of, you know, medical device or, you know, things like that. One of the things that the Bay Area is also known for um, is that there is a now a diverse mix of companies that are quote unquote, in this sort of biotech space that include things like food and cosmetics and, mm -hmm. you know, all kinds of sort of different different areas. I, I would love to hear from you, you know, what are some of the kind of interesting other sort of life science, if you will, companies that have, that have emerged out there that are, um, you know, growing within, in the, you know, within the region? Well, of course, a huge, huge industry and in the alternate, you know, non-meat-based products, and that's a huge um, there's a huge facility that they're de developing now to create the, you know, meatless burger. It's actual real meat that they're growing in a lab. And then, um, you know, there's that. And then, of course, the, you know, the cannabis industry has taken off too, which is another form of uh, life science. And there's a lot of uh, different varieties going on right now. The whole industry is changing. So as you guys look at some of these, uh, you know, innovative projects and new ways to kind of, you know, help your clients either convert projects into life science products or, you know, build them new things. Is the construction industry ready for, for sort of the, the, you know, demand and the onslaught of, uh, of, of kind of, you know, what, what, um, what the developers want, want to do? Does that become a hurdle in terms of, you know, getting things done on, on time? I, I think the biggest hurdle is currently this it's, it's, and it's global. It's the supply chain. 
Uh, it's not necessarily tied to a life science or any other type of use. Simply the supply chain, chain is unpredictable now. And that creates ripple effects. We have freighters off the coast that are waiting to deliver their goods. I have building construction going on now that has to pause while they scramble to find an alternate roof product because what they thought they were getting is not going to get here in time for the rains. So you, it, it, it's a really interesting time. And as you can imagine, also, if your materials are scarce, unpredictable for its delivery, the prices also fluctuate, which could really make an effect on your, on your performance. Yeah, that's really true. It's, just, it's impacting our schedule on project. I was just got out of a meeting where they're, they're saying that getting supplies is going to be a real problem in, in terms of making it, make it work. Right. As far as the general construction force, though, I think there's a lot of people out there that uh, have been out of work mm -hmm. while COVID hit and they were eager to get back. Um, so a lot of the labor has left the Bay Area after when COVID collapsed for, because, again, the office demand boom uh, fell. So I think there is everyone struggles to find uh, people to bring back to build when everyone has been, quote, working from home or not working at all. So there's a struggle just getting remobilized, I believe. And again, yeah. affecting price. Sure, sure, sure. Um, the life science industry in the Bay Area and elsewhere also has kind of grown from, you know, clusters, meaning one company we op will open up in a certain sub market, then it's competitor or it's adjacent business will sort of open kind of right there in the same in the same city um and 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 as a result we now have uh you know mission bay in san francisco uh south san francisco right emeryville uh ports of uh, portions of sort of redwood city foster city kind of area uh, do you see those clusters growing sort of there more or are you also anticipating you know of the vast space that we have in the East Bay, perhaps, and in Silicon Valley, also, you know, taking up some of that up, some of that opportunity. I, I do see the clusters growing, and I think you're going to see more clusters appear out of nowhere. For example, in Millbury, um, uh, I mentioned a project that we had done at 210 Adrian for Longfellow. Now Alexandria, right across the street, wants to develop. One thing key we've learned talking to both of these these life science companies and brokers is that nobody wants to be the outlier. No one wants to move into a neighborhood and be the first. So if there's already a company established and you come into that same city, there, is, there are many reasons that this makes sense. There's a synergy when you have two different companies, even though they might be competitors, that might be relying on the same resources that come to, to, um, to, to uh, accommodate their, their program. The amenities, shared amenities, very important. But then on top of that, you know, there's if, if for example, you look at the Stanford Research Park, which has a lot of these users, um, the, the, the the resource of the university itself is access to this brain trust that is that is very important and, and, uh, and leads to a innovation with their collaboration. So um, I think we, we are going to see more of these 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 clusters growing. Um, Colin mentioned in Redwood City uh, we had done a couple projects, tenant improvements for different companies like Zeltec or Asset, and um, well now uh, I think it was Alexandria uh, coming in. Or, I'm sorry, Longfellow. Longfellow coming in uh, and making that uh, one of their centers in the, in the, on the West Coast. Because again, there was something there already. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really, what's happening is the trend is to create life science communities. So, you know, you have some that are well-established like Stanford Research Park. You know, if you go to San, Torrey Pines in San Diego, you know, you have these, and they're often connected right. to universities, like you said, Mission Bay, you know, so you have those, those this these established communities and so now but now we have all of these 
you know, office spaces around the Bay Area, you know, and oceans of parking and places like Redwood Shores. It was just brought up by Longfellow. And how do you create a, a science community out of that? And that's what's really happening is, is they're, they're going in, they're putting in the amenities, they're putting in the, the bike paths, the places to be, places to want to go. At Millbrae, the, the uh, Life Sciences Building, we just um, completed and got entitlements for um, next door we're under construction is a you know large office space and then with housing next to it and um, and a hotel and that's all ties right into the transit center so you've got this perfect storm and then you've got Alexandria coming in across the street so it's a, this perfect storm of creating this community that's got life science you know um, feeds right off of it and that's that's really is the trends of, of where the where right. the it's in the East Bay, Emeryville, uh, part of here, Novartis. Oh, that's a pretty darn big um, group of uh, companies. Bayer just completed a master plan for Berkeley, where they're you know they're putting in all of the things I just described, and they're really trying to make this community place that ties to the surroundings. And, um, it's, that's really the, the yeah. future. Th this may be a very simple <laughs> question, but for you as designers, when you build a cluster and somebody sees something across the street and says, I want that because they think it functions a certain way, um, are there challenges uh, perhaps for you as you know designers to sort of you know, you know, create something that's sort of, you know, unique and distinct, but at the same time fits in with the kind of the bigger picture of that, of that neighborhood? Yeah, well, <laughs> and, I mean, I, I guess and I, I ask that because I, I have heard that in with you know technology clients sometimes mm -hmm. you know somebody will see something and they'll try to copy it or they'll say, "Hey, I went to the office of so and so and it looked really neat and I would like our office to look like that." Now, functionally, does it you know work for them? Nobody knows, right? And I'm just sort of curious in in you know life science if if you guys are experiencing well, we do have these similar. repositioning projects where you know we are having clients ask them to, you know, they have an existing building that's old and they wanted to give it a new look. They're, uh, they're putting new uh, labs inside the building. So how do they, how do they create a new brand? You know, how do they, they show their brand of the outside, you know, you know, they're, they're next door to other life sciences projects. So they want to upgrade their facility too. Um, right. You know, there's a, there's a competition that happens. And yeah. And I think that's kind of where I was going with that question is that when you think about tech, when you think about what, you know, the purpose of the office space for a tech company is to, you know, convey their culture, right? Convey what they're about, but also, you know, incorporate certain functions of how they do things or what they do into that design. And I'm curious, how do you do that in life science? You know, is there is there a similar, is, is, is there an analog where, where they are also looking to sort of con convey you know, Longfellow, what they're about, or Alexandria, what they're about, or 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 does it not exist at this point yet because it's sort of very technical? Um, just curious about that. I, I think every company wants to have their their brand out there, have an identity, and have uh, you know to be uh, to be to be seen. Um, it depends, I guess, on the program. If there's a security issues. If you keep if you design a, a nice glass building with an open surrounded campus that anybody can walk through. Well, you can imagine there might be some sensitivities there uh, for what's uh, to check the, uh, the trade uh, product of what they're developing. Uh, I guess it's it's a complicated <laughs> it's a complicated yeah. answer. I guess complicated. Yeah. Answer. 
Yeah. What about uh, you guys talked about, you know, amenities, you talked about things like, you know, bike paths and sort of, you know, access to sort of a, a kind of higher quality of life, uh, you know, things that, that, you know, can be around these campuses. Do you see that as becoming kind of a very important part of um, how these buildings and areas are being developed? Absolutely. Super important. And at Torrey Pines, you know, the, the different communities are trying to connect up the different campuses to, to UCSD so that, you know, that students can actually come up and they'll put in a restaurant and then the students will come to the restaurant at the campus where the, where the research is happening, um, you know, and, and creating these, you know, and these places to be that are attractive to the, to their surroundings. Um, and uh, in, in Stanford Research Park, we have this innovation curve project where it's a, you know it's in a garden, the oak trees and native grasses, and um, at the same time these buildings that are very uh, very high tech and speak about research and, and innovation. When we designed office buildings, when we designed office buildings, uh, we make sure the amenities are there. And in a in commercial office, those amenities are kind of integrated into the floor plan in the program. So you might have a nice break room on each floor level. You might have uh, a nice lounge uh, experience coming off the lobby for each, each floor. But in biotech and life science, I think you see those uh, more concentrated and in some extent external uh, to the building. Again, because of the program use and because of sure. security. You wouldn't want to have nice, gracious balconies off your lab. Right. For example, we love right. and office buildings. Those are great social spaces and workspaces. So it's a little different. But the amenity need is still there, if not um, in higher demand, because um, you are creating a building for people and you have people in the, these uh, uh, facilities doing some intense work. And everyone needs to unwind and be social and interact to make a, a life work experience better. Yeah. So maybe this takes me back to, I guess, my first question, which was, you know, what makes a product successful, right? So if you were to, you know, take on a project and advise somebody about, you know, how to think about this thoughtfully and help create something that's really unique and interesting, that's also flexible and allows, uh, you know, um, you know, a lot of different types of programming inside, how would, how would you, how would you go about and sort of high highlighting what are the, you know, may maybe the most important aspects of a, of a life science project? Well, we have a pretty good idea of what we think would work, but it always starts listening to your client, listening to their program. What are their needs? We, we would be unsuccessful if we didn't start with just listening and just gather up the information about who they are and who do they want to be and how are they growing. And then we can respond with some clever ideas. Colin, any yeah, thoughts certain, from you? And certain obvious ones about location um, and connection to the surroundings and um, creating a destination point and time to the community are all things that, that you know, they're looking for in, in an ideal lab environment. Um, but again, acquisition and retention of quality employees, quality researchers is everything. Yeah. So, and um, as as we close this conversation uh, up, um, one of the you know the last question I would like to ask you both is, you know, as you look into you know next year and the next five years and ten years, are you noticing some things that you believe will be either sort of you know. I you know, hate to use the word trend, but something that'll kind of guide the industry in a certain way that, you know, maybe right now is maybe still not as, you know, evident, but you are certainly seeing kind of more of that, uh, you know, appearing. Um, what are some of, some of those features that you would uh, think are going to be important? 
I, I think it's the amenities, uh, what you do for people when you're in the building. Uh, I think it's very, very important. And, and again, not necessarily tied to life science, it's people. And flexibility. So coming off of what we've just gone through in the past year and the changing of the workplace and how that's affecting all of this real estate that's been constructed and you know what is the right what what is the what is the right way to um, redo those facilities or alter them so that there's the flexibility going forward to adapt to a new way of doing things and uh, and then there's you know and here in the bay area where you know innovation you know this has changed the world you know it's it's creating that base for the future from what, what we already have and from what we're going to be building is everything great well, Colin, James, thank you both so much for taking the time to speak with us. Um, be well, and we'll be in touch. Great. Great. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Real Perspectives podcast. Stories like these help us shape our understanding of the industry, and we appreciate you taking the time to listen to it. Please follow us on any app where you get your podcasts and tell your colleagues about us. Thank you in helping us spread the word about our work and the industry that is changing the face of business.